this is Ricky and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. Hi everyone, this is Charmaine. So this episode is the fifth installment of our Unbook Club series. Yay! Yay Unbook Club! Y'all may remember this from our previous seasons. I believe, I want to say, that this is our first unbook club for the season. I don't yeah. think we've done an unbook it's club this season. It's the first one for the season, yeah. Awesome. So this is going to be a special unbook club. It's the first one for the season, the fifth installment in the series, and kind of our last wrap-up episode for season three. We'll, we'll probably do another little check-in with y'all, but we're going to kind of wrap up this season because we're getting towards the end of the year. Yeah. We are... This this episode is going to release in early mid November yeah. of 2022. Yeah. And we want to give y'all some some time to enjoy the holidays and mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can't so I know. I know. We were we were talking going through the episodes and planning and we're just like, wow, it's another year. Yeah. Another year goes by, y'all. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, but anyways, not to make this so existential. Um, this Unbook Club, we wanted to talk about a book that we have mentioned before in the podcast, but um, one that we think is really relevant and we talk about in our classes. And this book is called White Tears, Brown Scars by Ruby Hamad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yes, this book, White Tears, Brown Scars. First of all, I think there's some... I don't know how you came across the book, Charmaine, but I know me. I think I was preparing for my black feminist feminisms course and I was looking for a book that kind of grounded the class into why like white centered feminism can't be applied to everyone and this idea of of like yes we're all women but the experience of white women is very different than the experiences of BIPOC women and I was hoping to find something that would kind of create a foundation for my students understanding why do we need black feminisms, right? Why do we need intersectional feminisms, specifically focusing on BIPOC women, um, and, and how does it differ? And the power and the privilege and the white privilege that comes within that white-centered feminist movement and, and the, the origins of feminism in itself was lack of a better word, like whiteness. Yeah, an exclusionary. <laughs> yeah, an exclusionary, yeah. especially mainstream feminism, right? So you did have BIPOC women all around the world contributing to to, to feminist knowledge, feminist epi- epistemologies, and, and feminist research, right? But mainstream feminism, right? The feminism that, like, took the world, or whatever that saying is, was whiteness. And it was exclusionary. And it was... It was strategically exclusionary. It wasn't mm-hmm. just exclusionary for the purposes, oh, oh, we didn't know. Like, it wasn't exclusionary by accident, if that makes sense. It was strategically exclusionary of BIPOC women. And so I think in her book, Ruby Ahmad does a great job at illustrating the impacts of white, of white women's, for lack of a better word, tears, or the impacts or the privilege that white women have in society and in the detrimental effects of that privilege when it's not acknowledged specifically to women of color. And it's a very bold book. So there's a lot of really bold, like I, there's some stuff in here that I was like, oh, I could never write a book that, yeah. just, that just calls this out. Like, first of all, I don't think I could ever write a book 
title where I am now on my academic journey titled like like I don't know shut up like women or something like that you know what I mean like I don't think I could ever title the book similar to this and so that's yeah. what gravitated me towards this book and I think she does a great job at looking at the history of how white women strategically place themselves counterpart to BIPOC communities so not just BIPOC not just black men like historically in the U.S. she brings up like slavery and the fact that like you criminalize blackness you criminalize black men and then there's this idea of like white purity and white women being like the victims that need to be saved and then how that trickles down to like white women it like when women of color call out racism it's not like oh that's just happening to you because we're both women and it's not happening to me that's a you problem that's not really a problem larger in society so I just think this book does a really good job at like laying the foundations and it and it's I would say laying the foundations for understand like I said understanding the necessities of 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 accepting one's privilege yeah. accepting one's white privilege if you were if if someone is reading and they have white privilege and and and, and kind of laying the groundwork to how white privilege white women's position white women have used their privilege historically and why it has what's that word trickled down to modern day society and it's yeah. not something that just happened out of the blue right it's not something that just i don't know a bunch of white women woke up one day and was like oh i'm gonna start using my privilege like this is something that's institutionalized in, thank you that's yeah. the word it's institutionalized it's strategic it's been strategic this whole time um so yeah, that's just, that's just, and then also, like, I love, like, there's a chapter that talks about the angry sapphires, bad Arabs, um, dragon ladies, and, like, boxing the binary, so how stereotypes created by white society, white patriarchal society of women, of BIPOC women were purposely created to kind of purterize white women even more and kind of mm -hmm. have white women be the standard of what a woman should be and and what and what men should want basically mm -hmm. so white women are the standard they are the purest they are the the top the most desired yes yeah. yes which yeah. then connects to sorry i keep going on the thing but then it connects to what she introduces strategic white yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, strategic white womanhood. So this idea of like you are strategically using your proximity to whiteness to place yourself in a position of betterment um, in like in a position betterment compared to like BIPOC women basically and like strategic white womanhood is for lack of a better word, it, it, it is a weapon mm -hmm. that is used in certain, like, into, in, in certain environments to belittle the stories of BIPOC women and to basically erase the, the voices of BIPOC women. Okay, yeah. that's my tangent. They, um, I think, not I think, I we talk about the strategic 
white womanhood and strategic feminism in Mm -hmm. um, episode 30, where we talk about the Trojan horse affair. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want more information on that, check that out too. But yeah, definitely. um, Her book is so, I think it, it does a lot of really important things into highlighting like exactly what you said, like how harmful yeah. Um, kind of centering whiteness mm-hmm. is. And we mean like whiteness as an institutional practice, like yeah. as like a systemic norm. And as you were talking about like kind of white women as like the gold standard for everything, right? It made me think of how like the white heteronormative gaze is always centered. Mm-hmm. How it seems like everything is created for the white gaze because mm-hmm. that's what society is largely structured and centered around. Um, I think her, her way of writing, the style of writing this book reminded me a lot, although a lot more bold, but definitely reminded me in the tone, like kind of stylistic tone of Carol Anderson's white rage. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a bold piece of work and there are parts of it that, um, I think are maybe difficult for some people to, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Digest. Like digest. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Digest this well. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's that work that people kind of need. It's kind of similar to white rage. Like they mm-hmm. need to sit with it. And also it, it really helps to dis like you have to dismantle your own privilege and mm-hmm. process that as you're reading this text. Yeah. Um especially if you're a white person or a white woman. Um yeah, yeah, I think it's really it's kind of up there as like a fundamental text for people to read if they want to understand race and intersectionality and um yeah. yeah yeah it's a really profound a really profound text yeah and I think it's one of those texts that probably isn't well known as like white fragility and kind of these mm-hmm. lack of a better word fluffier written texts mm-hmm. about white privilege and what white privilege is but I think in order to dismantle white privilege right it's not it's not a BIPOC issue right it's not it's not our problem it's not our problem to fix it's white people's problem to fix because you created the problem there's no amount of work that we can do as BIPOC communities to address racism to address Islamophobia to address all of these issues without people recognizing their white privilege. And that's probably a bold statement. Maybe that's my future book, Charmaine. Whenever I get yes. to a position in academia where I'm published, because that's also that's also another thing that we wanted to bring up about this book, is that it is bold, um, but the, I feel like within it, only a certain amount of people in their positions can be this bold, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like on our podcast, we're pretty bold, and we pretty much said... The things that are written in this book but to put in a book and be published and be published in a setting where it's being taught in an academic setting well to get it published yeah even right? to get it published yeah. to begin with yeah. because i can write books all day long about what's written in this book i, I have so much stuff to say as y'all probably know that's why we have a podcast mm-hmm. but to get it published somewhere boop, the amount mm-hmm. of like hurdles you have to jump through the amount of like Things you have to do, and I think that goes to show how limiting academia in itself is. And as someone going through their dissertation, I can, I can attest to this because my dissertation topic has changed so many times just based off of being on a tight deadline, being on what's going to be accepted by the grad school, being on you know many different factors, and the same goes for publishing. So I just have to say that, um, 
why did I say this? Just so that we can recognize, also, since we're talking about the privilege, but I think, Charmaine, you said this more eloquently, but the, it's a privilege to be able to be this, to be this bold. Like we said, it's even bolder than white rage, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Carol Anderson, I feel like I could read between the lines and I'm like, oh, I know you want to say this. Yes. But she's like, oh, let me hold back. Let me yes. rephrase, let me rephrase this in a more academic, eloquent way. Um, but sometimes you just want to say, mm-hmm. It's racist here. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is racist. It wasn't founded for us. It wasn't founded for equality. It wasn't, you know, you just want to say all those things, but you're like, let me find a better way. Yeah. I think but, you're yeah. right. Oh, my God, you're so right. There's so, there is a lot of um, reading between the lines yeah. with Carol Anderson's work, and you're absolutely right, because I think the most, the most bold thing about D'Angelo's white privilege is the title. Like, it's the fluffiest piece. Yeah, absolutely. White fragility. Or white fragility. Wow, you... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the white fragility, exactly. It's so fragile. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I hope y'all can tell. I'm just going to outside that. That book is problematic to me. I'm sorry if you like that book, if you read that book. I'm so sorry. That book can be the foundation for you, but don't let it be the end all, end all. Go yes. out there and read White Rage. Go out there and read White Tears, Brown Scars. Read other books by women of color that are talking about these systemic issues. Because if you're going to just read it from the white, you're not you're not helping. I'm sorry. That's all I have to say. No, but that makes sense because, no, you're absolutely right. And that's why we, we brought in um, White Rage as one of our previous Unbook Club episodes uh, and, like, highlighted books. Because, like, you said it, like, this, these are issues that need to be addressed by whiteness. But when we're talking about our perspective on these issues, mm-hmm. then that's where, like, you need to let the authors and, like, the people, the BIPOC voices speak up. Where mm-hmm. it's, like, you have people like D'Angelo and other white authors and cre- like creators making money off of this, yet we're expected to do the work. Mm. of actually creating change and like no it needs to be the other way around (laughs) like it needs to be flipped um but I think that is what's so unique about Hamad's work for lack of better words is because she does have a very privileged positionality to be able to create this text um I I can't remember exactly how I came across it but I'm pretty sure it was in my research I think somebody told me about this book and I can't remember exactly what was um Sorry to that person. If you know who you are, let me know. Um, But I came across it in my research because, as most of you know, I do a lot of research on Muslim women and um, women from the Swana and um, South South Asian regions um, and diasporas. My research is very broad. Um, I am not in dissertating mode yet or anytime soon at this point. So my research is very broad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, so, it's okay. I mean, there's so much. My research is so broad. I'm giving um, you one. When I get one, I'm just going to give you one. Too, no, stop. You, oh, my God. You, you already are. You I'm, already are a doctor. Oh no God, honorary. Stop. It's just there. Boom. Stop. I'm blushing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, like, I came across her work in, in something I was writing because it, it talks a lot about, you know, the way that um, women are archetypes and especially women of color, the way that they're archetyped and stereotyped in media and um, in popular culture. And that's one of the first things I thought of. I was like, wow, like she's a very, like, you know, she's a scholar. She's recognized for her work. And you have to be like, you cannot be as a new scholar or somebody who is trying to get 
recently or mm -hmm. newly published, I should say, and create this work. Yeah. This is something that you have to build up a bed of research and work mm -hmm. that is kind of like palpable in quotes um, to a broader audience mm -hmm. and to like the research academia scholarship audience and maybe even beyond that. Um, and then you can come out with like, boom, this type of work. Like mm -hmm. it, it, you have to kind of build up your scholarship level in order to have the positionality and the privilege to create this kind of text. Yeah, build up your, your celeb status. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And this is, this is a really well-written academic piece of scholarship. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that, I think that it kind of makes me think about how we approach these texts mm -hmm. and you know, what, like not everybody, let's be honest, like not everybody can get to that status to be able to create these works, but we need more of these works. We need more of that apologetic, I mean, I'm sorry, unapologetic tone and mm -hmm. not kind of that apologetic nature that's, because, okay, I'm like saying two sentences at once. We need less of the apologetic nature that's been kind of um, preferred, I would say, in mm -hmm. order to get published specifically by, you know, certain journals and peer-reviewed publications, but we still have to get there. We still have to break mm -hmm. through that um, threshold. We have to get through that gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. You know, who's who's going to break those barriers? Through like, who's going to crash that? Who's going to? What's the word I'm looking for? The whatever to get through the the, the gatekeeping. Who's mm -hmm. going to break through and and not be the gatekeepers? And allow more of this unapologetic work to be published yeah. through scholarly methods, right? Like mm -hmm. so, through peer-reviewed publications, um, university-backed public publishing houses, that type of thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I just think it's that's a conversation that needs to be had. I think when we're discussing these types of works. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at Ruby Hamad and and um, and seeing what um, now it's not coming up. Because Who the publisher is? Oh, um, I was, I was trying to, oh, okay. Oh, thank you. I dropped my ring and he grabs it for me. Behind so the scenes. If you made you. it this far, leave a <laughs> ring comment yes. on our Instagram post. Yes. I was trying to save the ring. Thank you. Thank you. This is what I get. I'm like fiddling and playing with my rings. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, y'all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to look up Ruby Hamad and see, um, and am I saying her name right? Mm -hmm. I think you are, yeah, from what I, I know. I was trying to look up um, if she if she had anything else written, but I think this was up for, oh, okay, so here we go. So she was a journalist. She was in journal journal journalism. That's so right, yes. So that's kind of yes. how she gained her clout, her mm -hmm. clout. Um, but she had a lot of publications. Oh, New York Times. See, she was a journalist. So she yeah. kind of broke her way out um, as a journalist. And I think you kind of see that in her writing and the fact that, like, a lot of the, um, like, a lot of her, not citations, but a lot of her evidence and support comes from a journalist lens, if that makes sense. Um, that actually does make sense. I, as you said that, now I'm remembering I did read about her somewhere, and mm -hmm. so I read through some of her her previous work, like her mm -hmm. her journalist publications, um, and that makes sense because that is also lends to her unapologetic nature and and way of writing. Yeah, and it says she's currently a PhD candidate. She is a PhD candidate. 
at the in, in media and post-colonial studies at the University of New South Wales. So yeah, so she is currently a PhD candidate. Okay. Um, so interesting. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I highly recommend this book. Um, if you, um, yeah, if you read the book, let us know if you made it, like I said, if you made it this far, leave a ring emoji for those who, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. it is, it is public, it's Melbourne University Publishing. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2019, which uh, we know, I know it's a recent book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this does have, this is actually a great book, too, to think about, like, the the kind of intersection between um, journalistic studies and, um, like, we can say women women and gender studies mm-hmm. and social sciences, liberal arts. It's, it's kind of at the intersection of all of these um, different disciplines. So very, a very interdisciplinary book as well. I think it would be really useful for people in a, in a number of fields to be mm-hmm. able to engage with this. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you've read this, let us know if, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, or if, you know, if you've engaged with the text, whether on like a personal individual level, if you've for school, for academia, for work, um, mm-hmm. we'd love to hear like your thoughts about it and how other people are engaging with this work because we're doing it from, from an academic kind of standpoint. Um, not kind of from an academic standpoint. And then um, I know Ricky has, you have assigned parts of this to your students. Is that correct? Yeah, I have. Okay. So I signed the whole book actually to my Black Feminisms course. Um, so yeah, I okay. use it. I will continue to use it in class. And yeah. the students really like the book actually. They were yeah. like, are you keeping that book? I was like, yeah. yeah oh, good. Do. That's good so, feedback. Yeah. I haven't yeah. introduced it in my intro class yet. Um, I included I, th- I believe I included it in extra credit and I told them to write about parts of it as well. Um, but I haven't, I mean, I've discussed the book and I've included parts of the book um, in certain readings and throughout like different parts of the class, but um, I haven't like assigned it. I'll just, you know, use it for like discussions and supplemental reading, but I did include it as an extra credit. So yeah, yeah. if you're an educator and you've taught this book, let us know how that has gone as well. Cause I'm always interested to know what other educators are using as well. Or if you're, I actually would be really interested to know what other educators are using to teach this kind of material. Mm-hmm. That's not white fragility. We don't need to know if you're using that, but like mm-hmm. other than like white rage, you know, white tears, brown scars, the full name of this book. I don't think we actually did that. I'll just say oh, that yeah. white tears, brown scars, how white feminism Oh my god, I just lost it. I'm sorry, y'all. How oh here we go. How white feminism betrays women of color. Yes, exactly. How white feminism betrays women of color. Um yeah, so if you're using I, I'd be interested to know what other texts educators are using um in their classes about this mm-hmm. material. And then just a reminder, gonna do a little bookshop blurb. Um, you know that you can find this on our bookshop when you go to bookshop.org. Just go into um, Gray Matters, the blog. It'll give you a recommended book list. If you go through there and you purchase it through that link, you are, of course, supporting Bookshop, which supports local booksellers, but also we're an affiliate, so you'd really support us as, you know, this is, we're a team of two, so we would really appreciate, um, instead of, if you, you know, don't want to give your money to the guy that likes to build rocket ships that look like other things, um, you know, <laughs> things like that. If you would just love to, we just, we get a little, a small little, uh, kickback from, from the books. Um, and we would really appreciate that. So we have so many other books on there as well. Everything that we have mentioned in our podcast thus far, including the other unbook club episode books, 
um, that are available on Bookshop are on there. So you can purchase anything from that Unbook Club list. Um, if you stay tuned after this episode is over, we have a little blurb about Bookshop as well. So you can get more information on there and through our resources page and a book club page pages on the website. So there's a lot of different ways for you to get a little bit more information um, and to get access to this book. So yeah, yeah, I think that's all we have. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode and the season. Yes. And you know, stay safe. Yeah, this is the end of season three, right? Yeah. 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 But we might we might have a little surprise. We might have a surprise for you. If if ooh, if you made it this far, leave a gift box emoji and we might like if we get enough gift boxes, we might we might reveal our surprise. So yeah. If you made it yeah. this far, leave a little gift box. But yeah, hope you enjoyed season three. Stay tuned for future episodes as always and check out check us out on Instagram and TikTok to see what we're gonna be up to. Um, while we prepare for season four, please. Yes. Oh, and last but not least, I'm going to do one last little plug for us. Y'all, back to our little team of two, it really does help if you um, rate us and review us on Mm -hmm. your podcast streaming platform. If you if you're listening to us, if you've made it this far, leave. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I won't make you leave any more emojis. But I do love the ones that you recommended. Um, but you know, it really, really. If you if you are listening still, I we so appreciate that because we know that you really support and enjoy our our work, and so it really, really helps us kind of break through the oh my god the sea of podcasts and just allows us to reach more people and you know helps help you know, you can help us promote our work and just rate us, review us, um, subscribe to us. That way, you know, when we're always dropping new episodes, um, and you can stay in touch with us and, you know, our socials, gray matters, the blog and all that good stuff. So thank you. We really appreciate it. We appreciate y'all for sticking with us and we're so excited for everything to come for season four. And we hope you have a really safe end of the new year or end of the year. Start of the new year? Oh no, it's already starting. I don't even know. We're we're midway. We're a little over midway through the semester, so I'm sure my other educators will understand how we feel. Educators and students, where we're with y'all, but everybody else, we we understand the feel. You know, it's the holiday season's coming. It's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. It's feeling fall outside too, y'all. Yeah. So it's fall, y'all. Yes. So stay safe, and we will talk to you soon. Thank y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by giving the podcast a five-star review, becoming a subscriber on Anchor, and following us on our website, graymatterstheblog.org, that's gray with an A, and on our socials, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts at Gray Matters the Blog on Instagram and TikTok. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. If you have a comment or an inquiry about our customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll chat with you soon. Hey, Gray Matters community, this is Charmaine. And this is Ricky. And as bonafide bookworms, we have some very exciting news for all of our fellow bookworms. We are affiliating with bookshop.org which is an online book-selling retailer. But what makes them really cool is that a portion of proceeds from every purchase is donated to local bookstores. As of January 2022, they have raised over $18 million for local bookstores. You can support them and us by purchasing from bookshop.org through our Gray Matters the Blog affiliate link, which is bookshop.org 
forward slash shop forward slash gray matters. And that's G-R-A-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Bookmark that link because we have added and will continue to add all of the books that we discuss on our podcast and that are available, as well as some others to the Gray Matters recommended book list through the bookshop link we just mentioned. We have also added these links as well as more information on our website, graymatterstheblog.org. For accessibility, we have added the bookshop links for all of the available books on the Unbook Club page of our website. There, you just click on the text that says bookshop link, as well as on the resources page of our website, where you can just click click on the title of the book itself, and that will take you directly to the bookshop link for you to purchase the book. It's that easy. This is not an ad, but we are affiliated with Bookshop because we love what they're doing. It's super exciting because we are providing tangible resources and it's an easy way for Gray Matters community to support us. Since you don't have to do anything additional at checkout once you purchase from our affiliate link, bookshop.org, our affiliate link at bookshop.org, you are supporting us, a small business run by two women of color and local bookstores all with one simple click. This is a great way to give back, especially if that's your New Year's resolution or goal. As always, thank you so much for your support and happy reading.